results wise in 2021 and 2022, I had a 1.2 and a $1.3 million year because I was so diligent. My entire job for two and a half years was how do I get people to take one of these three actions? And so I need to get in front of other people's audiences. And that is the quickest way to do it. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pilly, and welcome to episode 193 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for their business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. On average, today's guest makes over a million dollars a year through business collaborations. She has the process of collaborations down to so much of a science that she's created an AI-based app that helps business owners generate collaboration ideas and drafts email pitches that lead to mutually beneficial partnerships. In this episode, Jordan Gill is sharing a detailed guide to how we can create our own profitable collaborations, from where to find people for collabs to what to say to them, red flags to steer clear of, and everything in between. She's really diving in deep with us. Before we hear the rest of Jordan's episode, just a quick reminder to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This will help episodes like Jordan's get discovered by other women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off script with the CEO of System Save Me and collaboration guru, Jordan Gill. Jordan Gill, welcome back to She's Off Script. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you so much for having me again. Uh, always a pleasure. Always such good interview questions, which I really appreciate as someone who's been on quite a few podcasts. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to dive into this topic. It's it's near and dear to my heart. I appreciate it. And we haven't had anyone back on the show, but you are constantly evolving and doing things in very unique ways this time around with collaborations. So, but for anyone who hasn't heard of you before or, you know, heard the first episode that we did together, could you share who you are and what you do? Yes. So I'm Jordan Gill and I am the head honcho over at Systems Saved Me and been in business a little over seven years and had you know, like you mentioned, many, many iterations of what I've done and what I've been known for. And and I think that's part of my message is that you can really change the game and evolve as you wish, as long as you keep your values intact, because that's why people will trust me regardless of what I decide to go into is because the thread of my values is in everything that I do. So, you know, I, I want to be an example of that. I want to help others do that um, because evolution is a part of business changes everywhere changes. What the only constant, as they say. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, for me, uh, change being the only constant, another part of that has been relationships that I've built since the very beginning of my business. And I have been a collaborator since the beginning of my business. And while in 2023, it has kind of become a bit trendy, I will say, uh, it's something that has been the way of doing business since literally the beginning of time. It's like, you know, you go down the street and like, oh, like I don't have apples, but Bob has apples down the street. And then you go down to Bob and he's got your apples, right? So I, I recognize there's a lot of like flashiness and, and again, another Part of what I enjoy is is the AI stuff that's going on right now, which is very, very flashy and new. Uh, I also like the 
confidence and the tried and trueness of relationships and collaborations, because I know that's going to work because it's literally worked since the beginning of time. So, uh, so yeah. And I live in Dallas, Texas, uh, with my bonus son and my husband, and I'm a jigsaw, uh, puzzle lover, lover, which I love to share, um, for all of those other puzzlers out there, um, who love to do that too. So Jordan, on average, I heard that you secure more than 50 collaborations a year. Yes. Let's let that settle in 50. (laughs) So we're going to dive into how you're able to make that happen. But as a business owner, why have you decided to focus on collaboration so much as opposed to maybe all the other ways you could grow your business? Yeah, it was it was in a lot of conversations. You know, I'm a a big direct messenger uh, in my Instagram. I'm having conversations constantly in Voxer and different places. And it was showing again and again and again, people were like, I have the funnel set up or I have the service set up or I have the offer set up. How do I get people like to be doing it right with Mm me? Um, And for me, for a really long time, I didn't even really recognize that I was doing collaborations to, to bring in people. It was such a natural part of just who I am and how I operate that I was like, oh, like, do more collaborations. And then they were like, well, where do I find collaborations? And I was like, well, that is interesting because the notion is either you have to pay 30 to 50 K to be in these big masterminds of these big names and all this stuff. That's how you find collaborations. Or you have to hire a PR person, which is really good for like the Good Morning Americas and Forbes and like the really big named stuff. I definitely do not want to take away their their shine. And for a lot of the guest teaching or guest podcasting or list swaps or things like that, like that can be very much done one-to-one and also doesn't need necessarily somebody to to do that setup for you unless you want to pay for that. Mm -hmm. But marketing is expensive and like it's not getting any less expensive. So being able to call on people that you know, and that know you and Figuring out a way to um, have a win-win when it comes to marketing is so underrated and for some reason hasn't been uh, talked about really again until I feel like this year because everyone realized how expensive marketing is. Uh, but um, how I found the 50 was just I, I'm one of those people that just like I will uh, be flipping through Instagram stories and I will just respond to whatever stories you have going on. Or if you have something really cool happening, I'll email you and be like, this was so dope. Like great job. Like amazing. Just over here fangirling. Right. And, um, that's just how a lot of my relationships have started. Um, and at the same time, I recognize that that's not really like a system. That's not really a structure to it. And that now at this point in my business, seven years in, I know a lot of dope people. And I'm always connecting people. And if I had just like a space where I knew people were excited or ready for collaborations, and that would actually make my life a lot easier and being able to connect people together um, because it's hard to keep up with what everybody's doing. Now everybody's changing stuff. So I'm like, wait, what are you doing again? And how do right. how can I help you? So it, um, Again, for me, it happened very, very organically. Um, and I'm grateful that I just have a lot of really great friendships and business colleagues and stuff. But um, to do that, I've been cultivating it for seven years, right? Mm-hmm. And 
no one really is trying to wait seven years for much of anything. Right. Uh, so I think that me going in the direction of creating and curating a really awesome group of people who have are very value oriented and um, want to find audience matches like that's exactly who I love to support. Mm. And I love that you've systematized the process of finding collaborations and we'll definitely talk more about that. But before that, could you share maybe what are some of the examples or some of the best mm -hmm. collaborations that you've done as yeah. a business owner? And in terms of ROI, return on investment, could you share how the best ones grew your business? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like I said, like you mentioned, I have done like 50 a year mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, for the past two years, for sure. But then I probably did like 30, 40. Um, before that. And I would say it, again, there's a variety of collaborations and there's a vast way of doing it, but mm -hmm. some that have been most fruitful are podcast interviews. So being on a podcast, talking about something specifically and having a specific call to action always will help support. Um, and at this point, I think I've done like 180 podcasts across mm. the seven years. So quite a few. And you get better and better every time. Like if I'm sure if I went and listened to like the first guest podcast I ever did, I would cry um, because it probably was so awful. But um, guest podcasting is big for me. Mm -hmm. uh, one that I also really enjoy is like guest teaching inside other people's communities. Mm -hmm. And this one is very interesting because I found that more, more than not, people get those opportunities because they are sharing a lot of content. Um, and that's tough for a lot of people because, you know, social media is, you know, the angry algorithm and, you know, it feels like you're feeding into this like beast sometimes. Mm -hmm. However, I've, because I share content fairly consistently, that is also how I get a lot of what I um, am offered as far as collaboration opportunities. Like for example, I did. Cause they know what you can do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They see the vastness, they see me teaching and um, like for example, I had, I've been doing reels very consistently for mm, probably a year and a half, two years now. And I was asked to speak on a stage about reels. I am not an Instagram person. Like I am on Instagram, but mm -hmm. I don't have a course or like a, that's like not my thing, but I do do it. Well, I get results from it. I get leads, sales, all the things. And that's mm -hmm. what I care about. I don't talk about any metrics or virality or any of that. And so it's like, I mean, sure, I can talk about this. Uh, and they're, and I was just like, you know, I'm not an Instagram person, right? And they're like, yeah, we know. And that's like why we actually want you to speak on it is because mm -hmm. your perspective on it is different than all of the Instagram experts that are out there. And mm -hmm. I was like, And you're oh, not okay. trying to sell or saying whatever just to sell an Instagram course, right? Right. Like, mm -hmm. it's just like, this is what I do and this is how I do it. And it was really awesome and refreshing and a, a really amazing talk. And that's when I realized that, you know, again, yes, I'm, I'm doing, you know, my marketing or different things for my clients and, and attracting people to do my services or my offerings, but it also is attracting other people who's, who have an audience match to me and are like, oh, She's doing, you know, she's sharing this here. I want her to share this deeper in my community. And what I think people are missing out on is the fact that like when you build your own audience community, could be email list, Instagram, it doesn't matter what it is. 
What that signals to somebody else in their community is that you're willing to put yourself out there and you're doing the courageous work. Mm-hmm. Let me put an asterisk here because I recognize not everybody wants to build an audience and that is okay. There is no shame in that at all. And if you are feeling friction and getting in front of other audiences and things like that, people who've built audiences and communities have put blood, sweat, and tears into that. And they, a lot of times, in my experience, they respect when you have also done the same. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to mean that you have the same size of audience by any means, but just the fact that you're willing to show up for your own audience as consistently as you are, that lets them know that like they're they're the real deal. Like they understand how important it is to love on and care on and nurture your people consistently. And so therefore I know that my people are in more good hands. And that's not something anybody has ever said to me. However, um, like they haven't said I've hired you because you show up consistently for your people, but in more ways than not, people have said like, you know, the way that you do things is refreshing or, you know, I continually see you level up, which means again, I'm consistently showing up. Mm -hmm. Um, and people are noticing that and that's because I stay visible. So it's, it's tough because I, I try not to, to be in the space of you have to be out there and you have to be super visible. And that does make finding and creating opportunities and collaborations with people a lot easier, I found. It does. I know there's a lot of narrative these days about burnout and how that's caused by constantly having to be on online and showing your face and creating content. And I think that certainly has a place for people who feel like that's not how they want to build business. But to the extent that you are willing to put yourself out there, collaborations, I think are a great way to create evergreen content like podcasts, like you've said, they seem to be the most effective for you. You do it once. You're pretty much saying the same thing every single time, but at the end of the day, it it lives on and does the work for you, provided you've done the work to put out the right calls to action for your business. Yep. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you talk about, or when you think about the ROI, then how have you found mm-hmm. that it's grown your business in tangible ways? Oh yeah. So, uh, we, not surprising because of the name of my business, but we track, uh, very intensely. Um, it's, it's tough because people are like, Oh, like I want to like learn your tracking system. I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) Developed over a maze of seven years. Right. Like it's, it's, uh, even my systems gal is just like your brain is something else. But, uh, I, I'm very consistent with tracking and I want to know where people are coming from. I want to know how long they've been on my email list before they've joined something. I have all of that data and it's really allowed me to uh, make better decisions because when I had done a day program for three years, there were, I only had um, a roadmap, which is just like a freebie guide, a quiz and like a $37 bootcamp. That was it. I did not make any more lead magnets. People out here having 70 lead magnets out here in the world. I'm like, I don't even know how you keep track of that, but whatever. Like I have three lead magnets and for three years, literally three years, all I did was talk about VIP days and I would share my lead magnets and people would flow through that. So when it came down to it and I looked at the data pretty much every year, I knew that if somebody went through my, my freebie guide, that it would take them on average around 90 days to become a client inside done in a day. 
Um, I knew that if they took the quiz, it would take six months. If, if they did the boot camp, it was even longer than that, which was my $37 offer. So the quickest uh, conversion tool that I had was my virtual conference. And that was an average of 14 days of people who had never heard of me before and joined my list through buying a ticket for the virtual conference. It took them an average of 14 days to join my program. And that's why I did so many virtual conferences. Like, well, Mm -hmm. this was nice. Like this was, you know, the, the best way to get people to join my program in the fastest way possible. That didn't mean I was going to do virtual conferences all the time. However, I was very, very intentional in understanding the nuance of, okay, this is my evergreen, you know, kind of strategy. And then here's my launch strategy of the virtual conferences and being able to map up my years, like a lot easier because it was just very simple. Every six months we have a virtual conference. It was be virtual conferences. We've got these things going on and it just worked like clockwork. And for me, you know, results wise in 2021 and 2022, I had a 1.2 and a $1.3 million year because I was so diligent in, and, and Trina on my team who, who does all my scheduling. I was like, I'm not talking about anything with VIP days. So anybody asking me to talk about anything else, say no. Focus. Right? Mm -hmm. Focus. Um, Focus on the fact that I didn't have to go out and create a bunch more um, lead magnets. I didn't have to create a bunch more shiny stuff because my program was good. My like conversion tools were good. And I knew kind of, again, the timelines of those. My entire job for two and a half years was... How do I get people to take one of these three actions? And so I need to get in front of other people's audiences. And that is the quickest way to do it. I did dabble in some Facebook ads, but it was more for brand awareness. So the results were big. I probably have a database of like 19,000, but um, I pruned my list very, very intentionally. And so we have about like six or 7,000 that are considered active and that we actually talk to. So you know, it, it got me the leads I needed. Um, it got me the the sales that I wanted and that I was shooting for. Um, but it takes extreme focus and discipline. And I was really proud of myself during that time because it really, um, it really showed me what I was capable of um, when I actually put my mind towards something, mm-hmm. uh, which was really cool. So, so yeah, the results have been pretty incredible. Okay. So could you give us an idea of what types of collabs work best for product-based business versus service-based or education-based businesses? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So list swaps are so underrated. It's really interesting because... What's a list swap? Yeah, so uh, a list swap is where like I have a freebie and you have a freebie and we share each other's freebies to each other's lists. It's very low commitment. It's very chill. We're not doing a whole launch and shebang and confetti. It's like, we just are swapping. And I just did like a group swap recently. And uh, it was interesting. So I sent I think one email and maybe a couple of social media posts. And uh, I brought in about 611 subscribers in a two week period. Now, 378 of those were new to my list. Again, I track. Mm-hmm. Track what's going on. Uh, and so, but even still, like 378 people in a couple of weeks is significant. Yeah. And uh, I sent one email and a couple of social media posts. And actually, 
one of the reels that I did for it um, got like over 500 comments on it. It had like 26% engagement. It was like wild. I was like, what's happening? Uh, but again, I, I know my audience well. I know what works. And so it's a matter of, and actually I, I spoke to the gal who was the leader of the list swap, the group swap. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you had the most clicks by far. Like you had double the amount of the second person behind you. Wow. You were, you had the clearly one of the most engaged email lists because people had 8X, 10X, 12X, the size of your list. And they had a 10th or like a 12th of like the results that you got, you know? So Mm. all these people out here talking about the big list, like it is not what you think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's very much like you think like, oh, I want to go after the big names because they have these big lists. And some people have done well with their big lists, but majority of people have not. I'll tell you that right now. Mm -hmm. So I actually really enjoy email lists that are under 10K, which is funny because most people are not trying to do that. They're trying to go after those big fish. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, nah, like I would much rather go into these smaller, more intimate, more close uh, audiences Mm -hmm. than again, the big kind of overinflated opportunities. So uh, I would say list swaps are very underrated. Um, I would say that would be more for education type folks more than, more than likely. Service writers, great for podcasts, uh, definitely great for podcasts. And if you are a podcaster and that's like a part of your marketing strategy, even doing podcast swaps or podcast shout outs. Mm. So mm-hmm. podcast swaps are very similar to list swaps where it's like, okay, we both, we're on both of each other's podcasts um, and whatnot. And you can do even like a, what I call podcast parties, where it's like we do part one of a podcast on your podcast and we do part two of the podcast on mine. And so again, we're, we're cross uh, promoting each other's podcasts, which makes sense because podcasters are like podcast listeners will listen to all the podcasts. So mm-hmm. it's a, an easy way to, to get growth going, but then also the shout outs are cool because like at the very beginning, you can share an episode that you listen to on someone else's podcast and say, Hey, you know, as you're listening to this, go to their podcast and click like download to this episode. So you can mm-hmm. listen to it next. And then someone else can do that for you. So some different podcast growth strategies, great for service providers. Also, if you're an education person um, as well, but I would say podcasting is probably the best for service providers and uh, more like email list oriented stuff is better for education type businesses. Mm-hmm. What about but product-based businesses? Product-based businesses. I think oddly enough, like, um, like social collaborations, like social media. So doing like a reels collab or doing um, like different giveaways or um or whatnot. Those I've seen actually do really well for product-based businesses. Mm-hmm. Again, you can do like a coupon swap for each other's, you know, shops or things like that. Uh. Um, and podcasting is okay. It really depends on what it is, what the product is you're doing. Like if you yeah. have a product for mothers or something, you could go on a mother, uh, a mom swap podcast mm-hmm. and like talk about it and it probably would do well. But there are some that I would say if it's too niche of a product, then it may not do as well in, in podcasts. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So for anyone who now sees the benefits and the importance of collaborations and they want to set one up for the very first time, where do we start with the whole collaboration thing? Oh, yes. So there is a bit of readiness that is mm-hmm. important. 
So uh, number one, if you if you're looking to to partner with people who do uh, who are similar to me, uh, I'm gonna want to know your numbers. Like anytime mm-hmm. that I do, uh, not necessarily podcasts, but if I'm doing like list stuff, I will ask numbers because I know my list is awesome. <laughs> like I'm very aware. Every time I do a collaboration, everyone's like, oh my gosh, your list is awesome. And I, I take a lot of pride in that and I protect that. And so, you know, I don't want to be sending my people to other lists that are just spammy or just being in association with other people who don't have similar values to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm very uh, particular and I'll ask questions, not because I'm trying to be rude, but because I'm protective and I'm intentional with my time and my audience. And my audience knows that and probably is why they trust me, you know, um, to be inside their inbox. So um, if you are someone who can't say again, like your open rates, even simply, or if you are again, doing like a group swap, like I just recently was in, but you are not aware of everyone's like data, right. And, and whatnot, then that's going to be tricky for me to say yes to. Um, Mm. and so knowing your numbers is really, really key. Uh, if you do like joint venture webinars, you have to know your numbers. Every single person who you reach out to for a joint webinar is going to want to know every single number ever. They're going to know your registration conversion rate. They're going to know their show up attending rate. They want to want to know your on webinar conversion rate, your follow-up sequence conversion rate, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so if that JV webinars are like the ultimate. Um, so I would say probably don't start there. Mm-hmm. Um, start more with the podcasting, the, the list swaps, the social collaborations, because they're lighter lifts. They aren't as um, intense and whatnot. But I think that um, knowing your numbers and then also from a standpoint of knowing your audience and their journey as well, because I know where my people are at. I I survey them. I talk with them all the time Mm -hmm. and I am very aware of what their needs are. And so for somebody to come in and say like, no, I don't know what an an example would be. Um, I don't know, PR, um, like my audience doesn't really jive with PR, um, not because PR is bad or anything like that. Um, but I just have seen over the years that that isn't something that my audience is that interested in, um, not looking to, to focus on, they're more interested in relationships. They're more interested in techie tool stuff. They're more interested in, uh, brand and video shoots. That was a new one that popped up this last year that I was like, really? Um, but, uh, yeah, I know those things about my audience. And so if you come to me and say, Oh, I want to do a PR something, or even sometimes copy can be kind of hit or miss, Mm. then I'm, I'm not saying no, because I don't see the value in what it is that you do. I'm saying no, because I know my audience and I know that it's actually not going to convert or it's not going to be beneficial or fruitful for either of us. Mm-hmm. And so being able to, to take the no's as actually being in support of like your overall goals, because again, a lot of us know our audiences and we're saying no, because we already know that it's not going to convert because of what our people are saying that they need right now mm-hmm. to change in a year or two years, whatever, right. As people evolve, but, um, you have to get really good with like people saying no to you, okay. which again, rejection is not fun, but 
it, it definitely is part of business, right? No. And I think it shows integrity that, yeah. listen, I may benefit and you may not. And that's really right. not in the spirit of collaboration if it's going to be mutually beneficial. So yep. take the nose as it's not about you. It's about whether or not we will work. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. you've talked about Instagram being a great place for you to find people to collaborate with. Are there mm-hmm. any other places that you'd recommend we go looking for people to mm-hmm. collaborate with? Uh, so I would say other places could be, well, if you're in a very professional sense, definitely LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. um, and going down that, uh, that trail, I would say also, um, a lot of people will do articles or like roundup articles on like best podcasts of 2023 for women or for basketball players or for Mm -hmm. fitness people. And those are definitely good in the sense of, okay, I want to know, like, um, and again, sometimes it is like the super bigger names, but sometimes they'll toss in some people that are in what I see to be a little bit more approachable. And so I will then reach out to them or start following them on Instagram for me and and just start, you know, replying to their stories or uh, commenting on their posts and things like that, just to start mm-hmm. the conversation. And yeah, so I would say roundup posts. So if you look, you can literally type it into Google or whatever, and just say like, you know, top podcast for X and 17 million articles will pop up. Mm-hmm. And then again, like LinkedIn, Instagram, you know, Facebook groups I found to be for more, if you're focused on targeting new business owners, then Facebook groups have those types of opportunities I found. Uh, but if you're focused more on like established uh, entrepreneurs, then I wouldn't say that Facebook is probably the best place to reach them or to connect with them or to follow them over there. Once you've established, okay, these are the people I want to collaborate with, what is the best way to craft your pitch so that you are more likely to get a yes? It's about the the repetition, which is mostly not what people want to hear because they're like, mm. I just want one and done. And I just want to send the one email. I, I'm just one of those natural people that um, I think it's the fact that I grew up, um, I went to 12 different I moved 12 times in my life. I've been to three different high schools. I just like bebopped. Mm. And so I don't necessarily have the uh, like shame of like going up to somebody and literally just starting the conversation because mm-hmm. I got to make friends yeah. when I'm in middle school and high school. So this yeah. is just what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And so I don't necessarily have that same nervousness that some people have. Uh, and I've recognized that. And so if you have that nervousness, then maybe this this won't be helpful to you. But what I find is that um, a lot of times I start conversations with life stuff. Um, like I'll see if somebody has like a dog that's barking during their podcast interview. I'm like, yep, been there, you know, and I'll comment that. Um, or I, I hear a clip from someone's podcast. I'm like, oh, that was really good. I'm going to share that with, to my stories. Um, or, you know, somebody is talking about being in, in Lisbon, Portugal. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know the best place to get chocolate cake. Here it is. Here's the address. Here's the name of it. Like, you're going to want to take a cake home with you like I did in a carry on. And it's totally normal. Like, and I just, um, have a, a way of connecting with people on life stuff that then is like, Oh, like what's she got going on over there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so instead of going straight for the kill or whatnot, uh, I tend to take a little bit more of like a life first approach on connection of mm-hmm. just like, I recognize you're a human. I'm a human. Yeah. We got businesses and stuff, but, um, you know, I, uh, I want to connect with you just as a human. Uh, and that's, that's really provided me a lot more 
wins than like having the perfect pitch email. Um, I've sent pitch emails 110%, but again, I still have started a conversation or started a connection point previous to that. So that way, again, I'm not, they've never seen my name before. I don't want that to be the case um, mm-hmm. at all. Right. So, so that's, um, that's something I think a lot of people miss out on is just, just going for the pitches mm-hmm. and the pitch. You want to have some context with the pitch. Like you want people to have more to know about you than just what the words are in your email. Mm-hmm. So doing a couple of touches, you know, where they're most active, um, is, is crucial to then the pitch actually being like, Oh yeah. Like she shared my thing or, Oh yeah, we were talking about dogs or Paris or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's they actually recognize that's your name in yeah. their subconscious. And even the yeah. point about making sure that there's a human connection first, even if it's a cold pitch, I found yeah. in my experience, if you start with showing that you know something about them as a person, right. yeah. um, you're not just coming in, this is what I want, but you've shown, I took the time to research you and I understand who you are and what you value. Yeah. That is effective because it's flattering when people feel like yeah. you've taken the time. Mm-hmm. When you think about some of the red flags that you've steered clear of when you're entering into collaborations, what would you say they are just so we know mm-hmm. that we are not going to step into something that we regret? Right. <laughs> totally. I mean, I know this may sound obvious because I'm a systems person, but if you are disorganized, that's going to be something that will need to be worked on. Now, does that mean you need to have? all your P's and Q's, not necessarily. However, um, even simple things like I have um, a rule with Trina, if someone doesn't have a calendar scheduler for their podcast interview, I'm not doing it. It speaks volumes. I don't want to go back and forth with you in email. I'm not doing it. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not going to make Trina do it. And time zones alone. I'm just like, no, who wants to calculate this, you know, and people get it wrong. Right. So it's just uh, thinking through the process of the collaboration. And if people are having to, if you don't even have like forms for people to fill out and you're just like, answer these questions or reply back in an email. Mm. Cringe, like yeah. on a chalkboard <laughs> um, for me and for a lot of people. And so it's really crucial that you think about the experience that you want your collaborators to have. It's not just about client experience. There's also a collaborator experience. And when people have a good experience, they'll remember you and they will tell other people to collaborate with you. Um, You know, I get all the time. People are like, you know, I was talking to so-and-so and they were a part of your virtual conference. And they said it was like the best event that they've been a part of. And like, how do I become a part of that? Like, how, can I get on a list for when you open up speaker stuff next or whatever? Mm-hmm. And that means a lot to me. I, I I take that very, very deeply because I am intentional in that, in that area. So not missing out on also the depth of the relationship you could have with somebody. There's people that I've, I've collaborated with multiple times because of how easy it's been, because of how much they care and trust, you know? So I am, um, I think that it's uh, something that not a lot of people think about because they're just like, you know, in the, the humdrum of business and life. Mm -hmm. But again, that, that extra care can really go a long way. And I feel like that's what everybody says about everything. And it's hard to have the extra care about everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something as important as ensuring that this person has a good experience with you, 
you have no idea what that one experience could branch into, right? It's not about just doing all of the new collaborations all the time. A lot of it is, okay, I'm doing these different collaborations and there's a few people that I am consistently doing collaborations with because of the relationship, because of the experience that you have with them. So don't miss out on the repeat uh, collaboration opportunities just to like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, people, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm also curious, is there a way to validate the numbers people are sharing with you? Because people can say almost anything, you know. (laughs) Uh, I'm a trust yeah. but verify type of person. <laughs> I I know it, man. Oh gosh. Okay. So because even in the world of of online stuff, there's there's a lot of screenshot Photoshop going on. Mm-hmm. And so that one is tough. Um, that one I think is more reliance on your gut than necessarily being able to verify anything, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Now, could you be on someone, get on someone's email list and get their vibe and and whatever else? Sure. Um, because again, I could take a screenshot of my 19,000 database and be like, yeah, I got 19,000 people. Mm-hmm. And it would be true. Right. But no, I'm going to say I have six or 7,000 active mm-hmm. people because I'm in integrity and that's literally the amount of people I'm emailing. Mm-hmm. So that's where you got to kind of almost train your gut to really understand what people are saying. I think that if people are very, and that's why a lot of times I pretty much say no, if there's any requirement of number of email list or number of Instagram followers or number of whatever, because I know what the intention is behind that. and that doesn't make them a bad person. But for me, I know that like, again, I don't even really want to be in the 10K plus email Mm -hmm. list or the 5K plus or whatever it is. Like, I just want to, like, I want you to think of the people you're bringing in as very value oriented. And I know the numbers are going to show up. Like, I just Mm -hmm. have trust in that. So any sort of Again, I don't want to say that it's bad or wrong for people to have requirements because maybe that's what their business needs. Mm. However, that's something that as a values first person, I'm more than likely going to say no, just on that, just on that sole fact. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many, there's so many underlying things that people don't realize that the larger your audience size, the more diluted it gets and the the, the lower your conversion rate and all these things. So vanity metrics really aren't going to get you anywhere in the long run. They're not. We've also talked about the fact that you're a systems person. So when it comes to Mm -hmm. systems and processes to have in place, just to make sure that you have the best possible experience, what are like the top three key processes that we should have in place? Oh, yes. Calendar scheduler number one. Mm-hmm. Like that is, I cannot, yeah. I cannot. And Trina, Trina is a buffer with my mm-hmm. calendar scheduler because people will keep my calendar scheduler and then try and add to it. So it's it's been a balance now of like, okay, I don't know if we need a passcode to this that we change or what, um, which is kind of wild to think about. But uh, Trina does a good job of of managing that. But calendar scheduler for sure. Number one, whether it's for coffee chats or sales calls or podcast interviews, it doesn't matter. Please have a calendar scheduler. Please, please, please. Uh, That's number one. Number two is looking at your uh, processes of onboarding, I think are really, really crucial because it's the first experience that people have of you. And so, you know, not there's a, there's a bunch of different ways you could set up your onboarding, but what I've found to be of most help is 
like walking people through and having a very beginner's mindset with your onboarding where it's like, this person is working for you for the first with you for the first time. We know that you've done this service 1100 times, Mm -hmm. but this is the first time they're, they're doing it. And sometimes people's like knowledge bias uh, gets in the way because they're like, Oh, they obviously know this language. They obviously know where to find this, Mm -hmm. this, um, analytic, this analytics number that I need. And it's like, no, they really don't. Right. (laughs) Right. And so, because people don't like to feel dumb. Um, and so if you're making them feel inferior or whatnot at the very beginning of the relationship, it's not going to, it's not going to start off well for you just in general. That would be number two. Number three is really good follow-up. So I, I will say that I am a pretty diligent follow-upper. I like it. <laughs> uh, and whatnot. Don't, uh, don't quote the fact that I'm a journalism major, but I think that people always think, oh, I, I let them know once or they saw it once and like, they're good. No. Nope. Literally biggest lie we tell ourselves because even as somebody who has intentions to do things, it's like, okay, I am distracted by this over here, distracted by this over here. And I need those reminders. And yeah. it sounds ridiculous because you're like, okay, you don't want to babysit anybody. But also in in the current context of the world that we're in, you know, coming out of pandemic where we were all at home, there was a lot less activity from a sense of like having to go out and about, mm-hmm. like even, you know, kids, basketball games or school. Like I realized I'm like, I spend so much time in a car now. Like what is happening? And I'm like, oh, it's because I'm not stuck home anymore. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's a change in everybody's daily routines. And so instead of feeling like, oh, I'm having to chase people per se, like who doesn't love a good reminder of something you were planning to do anyway? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a form of love and care. It's like, oh yeah, they remembered the fact that I wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because again, there's there's a lot going on. So a great follow-up process for any of your sales and stuff is super important. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I heard this, but there is the greatest return you can get when you're, whether it's sales or pitching for whatever opportunities, the greatest return you get is on the follow-up email. And I can attest to that personally. Some of my best podcast interviews have come after two years of mm-hmm. follow-up, reschedule, follow-up. And then after two years, yep. phenomenal opportunity to collaborate, right? So yeah. Follow up is absolutely necessary. So before we head out, I definitely want to talk about Ready, Set, Collab and the fact that you have used AI in order to streamline the process of collaborating. So could you share a little bit about the tool and the process and the system you've built around collaboration? Oh, yes. So it's a very interesting intersection to be in when you love all things automation and also love humans. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, It's kind of the the big debate right now, right? Of like, don't lose the human touch, but save yourself a bunch of time. And, and it seems like it's at odds a lot of times. And I will say that I am in the camp of, I'm not here to create automatic opportunities that remove you from actually having a relationship with somebody. Those things I'm uninterested in. What I am interested in and what I've built and I'm continuing to build with Ready, Set, Collab, which is my 
collaboration network of, again, uh, established online entrepreneurs who want to grow their businesses through collaborations. So finding and securing collaborations, we want to make it as easy as possible and spend less time in that part and more time in interviews or in the actual collaborations. So we have built some AI tools, some micro apps where um, there's one that we've created where you can take your information and someone else's information and the AI will actually show you opportunities to collaborate, um, which is really cool. So instead of you being like, okay, I have this, they have this, let me think about how we could like incorporate. It's just like, Again, all of that thinking time, we can at least quick start you into like, oh, like this actually could be a way that we collaborate that is either unique or uh, could be, again, extra valuable for us that I wouldn't have thought of necessarily. So that's one way we're, we're using AI is in the idea generation phase between you and one other person um, and your expertise and how you like to collaborate. And then another one is in the pitch email side. So you can put in uh, your information. You can put in a podcast you're looking to be on or uh, an event you're looking to speak at or whatever the case is, and a little bit of information about the host. And it will spit out a pitch email that, again, um, shows you kind of where you can add some connection. And then the rest of it is like pretty good to go um, and whatnot. So, you know, those are a couple of the tools, but we're we're continually looking at, again, because people spend a lot of time in the the space of like, okay, what should I do? How should I approach this? All like that is a lot of time and space and energy and mental mm-hmm. capacity. And we want to cut that down because we want you to spend as much time in the human side and the connection side. So that's kind of where our, our intersection is. And uh it's pretty cool. It's it's pretty it's pretty delightful when you can literally create opportunities and tools that gain people time back, which has always been my thing with systems, Mm -hmm. right? We only have so much time. We only have so much energy. So those are a few of the AI uh, things that I'm playing around with, which have been really fun. I'd love to hear a quick success story that's come out of your platform so far. Yeah. So uh, there's one gal, uh, Rachel Cook, who um, she has a podcast. She's, um, She's been in business for quite a while, like 15 years. And, uh, she came in because she had worked with PR people previously, uh, for about a year and a half and was, I think 2,500 to $3,000 a month. And there was no guarantee, right. Of being able to land anything. And so she's spending all this money and she would get a couple, you know, podcasts here and there and, and whatever else. But then she came into the race at collab network and got 10 collabs immediately. Um, like within the first month. And I was like, okay, first of all, whoa, Nelly. Second of all, like, that's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, you get to spread them out, you know, across as far as execution and, and implementation. But it just goes to show again that, you know, PR people are for what they are for. And when you get back to the basics of relationships, like collaborations can happen very, very quickly. Um, when you are in the right space and when you know that somebody else is interested in doing a collab, mm-hmm. that's also the second part of it. When you're going out in the ether, it's like, are they even open to this? Right. Like, am I wasting my energy and my time? When you're in Ready, Set, Collab, every single person wants to collaborate. So mm-hmm. like now it's just determining if it's the right fit to collaborate. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to go through the rigmarole of, are they open to it? Are they not open to it? Like, am I wasting my energy? Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's been a fun success story for sure of just like, you know, for a 10th 
of the monthly costs that she had, she had way more of an ROI on being able to get these collaborations. For anyone who does want to connect or be a part of Ready, Set, Collab, where can we find you? How can we get in touch? Totally. So head on over to readysetcollab.com. Uh, it'll either be a wait list or doors open. So depending on the time that you're going to check this out, um, it will be one or the other. So if doors are open, come on in. Uh, if it is the wait list, then make sure to add your name to it and you'll be the first to know when um, our doors open again next. So that's probably the easiest way right now. Well, Jordan, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Yes. Thanks so much for having me, sir. I really appreciate it. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you found this show helpful, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Offscript.com. All right, with that, we'll see you right back here next Thursday for another episode. Bye.